Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. Happy to go out to the 101 ESPN hotline to be joined by Katie Wu. She's the Cardinals insider for 101 ESPN, The Athletic, and KSDK. She had a great piece earlier today up on The Athletic, right? Recapping the Cardinals' first series of the season. You can, of course, follow her on Twitter at Katie J. Wu. Katie, we appreciate the time as always. How you doing after the first weekend of the season? Hello, fellas. Happy Monday. You know, the first series of the season is always a little weird to me because it's usually three day games and it takes a while to get into a routine. And today it kind of just feels like the season is back. You know, we have a 645 game tonight. The the opening day fanfare, while it's always so awesome, has subsided. And now it's just time to settle in for a you know, 159 and probably more games to go. Well, it's got to be the two and a half hour timing on these games, Katie. Like you feel like you got so much more to do with your life now that you get that extra 30 plus minutes. That extra 30 plus minutes definitely matters. But honestly, during the games, with the exception of Thursday, where I was like, is this going to be a five hour baseball game? What are we doing? (laughs) Um, I really haven't noticed too much of a change. And if you, it's crazy to me how little I'm thinking about the pitch clock. um, Unless there's a violation. I truly haven't really noticed that big of a difference. I think because we're seeing so much continuous action, it, it's kind of easy to forget about. Yeah, it, it takes away the bad part of the game, which is just the standing around, and it it I think highlights more of the action, which is what we saw a lot of over the weekend, specifically with this Cardinals offense, Katie. And that's what I wanted to lead off with from you, which is man, does this team have a deep lineup? You saw on Saturday, they didn't have their two-hole hitter or their five-hole hitter, and the two guys that were able to replace them in those two spots end up having big days over the weekend. What did you see in the first weekend of the season from the Cardinals when it comes to the depth of their lineup? Yes, the depth of this Cardinals lineup, let's talk about it, because there's a lot we can dive into. So I think the way of phrasing this, I like the CK, when you say the Cardinals are missing their two-hole hitter, and their five-hole hitter, well, usually in seasons past, if that was the case, it was not a great look for St. Louis. You know, the the lineup would have a lot of holes. You kind of expected it to be a low-scoring game. What the Cardinals showed over the weekend was that they actually have a 12-person deep lineup. I mean, let's go through some of these offensive highlights. They scored 22 runs in three games, banged out 41 hits. Brennan Donovan, leadoff hitter, already has two homers this season. He had five all of last year. Nolan Gorman? has reached base safely eight times, uh, and obviously Homer twice on Sunday. Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arnato, Tommy Edmond, and Jordan Walker have all hit safely in three games. And then when you have Lars Meepar on the bench for two days, and you have Tyler O'Neill on the bench after a rest day on Sunday, what do the reserves do? Well, Alex Burleson comes in on Sunday, he records three hits, Homer's to the opposite field, Dylan Carlson, three singles yesterday, all hard hit balls. It just seems like one through nine, and honestly, maybe even 1 through 10, 11, when you consider those bench guys, that this legitimately is a deep lineup. And when we're talking to President of Baseball Operations, John Mazalock, on opening day, I asked him what the most underrated trait of the club was, and he was not sure he would describe the depth as being underrated, but he did think that, you know, when you think about the Cardinals, you think about the defense, you think about their base running reputation, and you know them to be good at those things. But he thinks the depth could surprise some people, and I think it did this weekend. So, Katie, back. let's stick with Brendan Donovan because 
I mean, I I was excited to see what Brennan Donovan had to offer this season for how good of a year he had last year. But I don't know if I expected this type of Brendan Donovan. What are realistic expectations for this individual this season? Brendan Donovan could be a dude, right? I mean, we we saw the the defensive versatility. That's my favorite thing, by the way. Brendan Donovan, Nolan Gorman, dude alert. I love how in baseball it's like, hey, stuff is how you describe if a pitcher is throwing well, and then you you like describe players as a guy or a dude. Yeah, I was gonna say like, what's the measuring stick? Like, you know, like what's what's dude measuring sticks right well, now? Guy is ju- just a guy, so, or you're a dude. Guy would be Brendan bench Donovan. bat, and dude would be like an all star. You get it. You get it. What happens yeah, after all star? A stud. Oh, oh legend. Stud. I like that. A stud. A guy, a dude, <laughs> or a stud. Donovan working his way into someone, the dude section. Someone needs to get him a T-shirt that says stud muffin. <laughs> I love it. I just love these segments. I never know where they're going to go. But, okay, back to Brendan Donovan. <laughs> I, I think he was all around a pretty complete player last year, obviously. You don't win a utility gold glove the first ever by being just okay defensively. And I've said this before. I think Donovan and his overall versatility, both uh, hitting-wise and from the field, makes this lineup click. What he didn't really have in his game last year was power, and that was okay because he did everything else so well. He got on base. He's fast. Again, he can play everywhere on the diamond. If Brendan Donovan can go ahead and pop some, uh, pop some balls over the fence from the leadoff spot, where are opposing pitchers going to go? Because after Donovan, you have Lars Newfar who has some pop. We know about Paul Goldschmidt. We know about Nolan Arnato. We know about Wilson Contreras. Arguably one of the toughest hard, uh, middle of the order in baseball. And then you look at the length of the lineup now with Nolan Gorman's emergence. You have Tyler O'Neill. You have Jordan Walker. There's really no place to go where you're not seeing that power. So I think the, the, the early showings for Brendan Donovan, even dating back to spring, have been especially encouraging and lengthen this lineup even more. So as we continue on the discussion of the positive things from this weekend, Alec Burleson yesterday, whoo, buddy, what a day for him. I was a little surprised, Katie. I got to admit, when Alec Burleson got the nod on Saturday when Lars Newtbar was out of the lineup, I get it to a degree where it's like, hey, he's a left-handed bat. He has the contact profile that they were looking for against a quality starter on the other side. That all makes sense to me. But if you just said going into spring training, hey, second game of the season, Lars Newtbar is out. Are you going Alec Burleson or Dylan Carlson there? I would have said in a heartbeat, well, Dylan Carlson gets that start for you in the outfield. Did we learn on Saturday that Alec Burleson is over Dylan Carlson in terms of the standing right now for this team? I don't think so, but I do understand why that perception might be the case. I think when you're looking at the matchups, like you mentioned, Burleson profiled from a swing perspective against Kevin Gossman better than Dylan did. You know, Gossman has a lot of swing and miss. So does Dylan in his game, and those two just didn't match up. Alec Burleson, of course, profiled for contact, and as we saw on Sunday, does have the power when needed. I think we'll see a lot of how Dylan Carlson is used based on the opposing matchups. And I hesitate to call Dylan a platoon player because I actually think that Dylan is arguably their best defensive center fielder. He definitely looks the most comfortable. Tyler O'Neill looks a little late on the first step, but, you know, it's fast enough to make up for it. So I'm I'm sure we'll see Dylan in different spots. I actually don't think that there is a, a pecking order, if you will, in the outfield. I think it's just a matter of who profiles well against the defense and who profiles well against the opposing pitcher. Um, and this is a good problem to have when you have four to five very capable outfielders that can play more or less all over the field. We talk a lot about how Brendan Donovan makes this outfield click. 
I, or infield quick, excuse me. I think we'll see that with Dylan Carlson and the outfield configuration as well. He, I know it looks like he's kind of on the short end of the stick right now, but I think the Cardinals are just trying to find a way to use him and maximize him in the best way they can. It's going to take a little bit to figure that out. But so far, like we saw on Sunday, when the matchup is right, Dylan can absolutely be an impact player. Oh, Katie, there is a pecking order in the bullpen, and it starts with, of course, Ryan Helsley and when healthy, Giovanni Gallegos. But is Drew Verhagen now a part of that pecking order after one and two-third innings pitched? I'm very, very close to putting Drew Verhagen in the circle of trust. I like my, my rule for evaluating people is I got to see three starts from a starting pitcher before I make any narrative. I'd like to see four to five from a reliever. But Drew Verhagen, again, going back to spring and what he saw or what we saw in the first two outings, he looks pretty nasty. This looks like the Drew Verhagen the Cardinals were looking for when they signed him last year. And truly, I think the, the difference maker is his hip. He's healthy, so he can pitch. And we're seeing all these different pitches in his arsenal. He's effective. He's painting corners. He's confident. It takes a lot for a player to come out for his first start of, or his first appearance of the season. And the first, the song that he uses is a Jay-Z song. And the first line is, allow me to reintroduce myself. And when Drew Verhagen walked out to that song, I stopped in my tracks and I said, oh, this guy is back. And I can't necessarily proclaim that all the way yet. Again, we got to see him a little more, but he certainly looks encouraging. I don't think the Cardinals expect Gallegos to be out that much longer, but if he is, that is right now the right-hander I'm looking for in the late innings That's when you're not using Brian Helsley. So follow-up, Katie, why is Drew Verhagen not using Shakira's hips don't lie out of the bullpen? God, I knew that was coming. Oh, you know what? That's actually, I want to hate it. I want to hate the joke, but it's actually a don't really hate cool it. one. Don't hate it, Katie. <laughs> I'll give you that. I'll D- give you it. Don't hate the player. Hate the game. Okay. We took it one step too far. <laughs> Katie Wu is our guest here on 101 ESPN. Uh, you can find her work over at The Athletic. She also does some work this year with KSDK. You can find all of that on Twitter, at Katie J. Wu. All right, Katie, that is all the good. It was overwhelmingly positive in the first three games oh, of the season for the Cardinals. Here it comes. <laughs> here it is. Buzz Killington, ladies and gentlemen. Time to talk about the starting pitching. And, of course, the headliner with that is Jack Flaherty, who, hey, you want to be positive, didn't allow a hit, didn't allow a run over the weekend. No hitter in my eyes. Let's not mention the fact that he did allow seven walks and hit a batter, so he allowed eight base runners in five innings, ended up throwing just 49 strikes on 95 pitches. His velocity was down a couple miles an hour. Uh, Katie, I mentioned earlier, I'm curious your thoughts on the outing from Jack Flaherty. In the micro, I, I thought what Ollie said is true. Like, if, if Adam Wainwright had that exact same performance, we would be falling all over ourselves to say, man, what an impressive way to find a way to get you're through so five right. innings. When, oh, man, you're so right. When Jack does it, we're like, man, if only he had his good stuff, maybe then he could be an ace. And so, like, I, I do, that's where I fall on it in the micro. In the macro, and this is not Jack's fault, it's a Cardinals thing, they need so much from him to be that number one starter this year. And what I saw from him on Saturday, and you mentioned it, I think it's totally fair to say, hey, I need a few starts before I can make any real bite. big picture takeaways. But what we saw on Saturday did not look like the stuff of a number one starter. And I think that's a Cardinals problem that they may eventually have to fix. And so I think it's almost like two separate buckets that kind of get put into the same one sometimes. What was your takeaway from Jack Flaherty's start over the weekend? Yeah, those are those are some really great points, and it, it's hard to evaluate Jack because there there are so many high expectations for him. At the same time, he welcomes those expectations. He feels confident in his way to be able to shoulder that weight, and whether or not that's fair, 
is a different argument. But what we saw from Jack yesterday, he'd be the – or Saturday. Sorry, I don't even know my days. We're three games into the season. I have no idea what's going on. Oh. What we saw from Jack on Saturday, he'd be the first to say, not an ideal line, not a conventional start. I mean, anytime he walks seven batters, he said it himself, that's not pitching. Seven walks is not pitching. But I was encouraged by the way Jack carried himself throughout that start because we saw, especially last year, when Jack didn't have command, when Jack was struggling, when Jack was putting guys on base, you saw the body language. You saw him get frustrated. You saw him spiral. And more often than not, he's out of there by the second or third inning. We, I remember we saw that multiple times last season. This time from Jack, I thought we saw a really mature clarity. One who said, okay, I don't have my fastball command, and that's my biggest takeaway. Like, that's the biggest point of emphasis that Ollie Marmol mentioned to the media before Jack start was he has to have his fastball command. Didn't have it. So what does he do? He takes some velocity off. He makes the adjustment. And he finds a way to get through five, and he never once showed frustration on the mound. And certainly, I mean, we know Jack, he was frustrated. He's not a start that he loved. But his ability to keep it together, make the mid-game adjustments, get through five, and figure out what was working for him, and especially that uh, bottom of the, the fifth inning where he got that one, two, three inning and got the strikeout on the curveball, that was a great way to end it. So, long way of saying, is that an ideal start from Jack? Absolutely not. Is it encouraging that he was able to make those adjustments and figure it out? Absolutely. I think April will be a very telling month for the entire pitching staff. Again, it's only been three games that no quality start has been recorded. And I think Jack, of course, we've talked about this all season, who will have some heavy expectations to fix that pitching staff. But I'm not really freaking out over one start. I'm, I think that the Cardinals and Jack have warranted that trust one more time to try it again and see what they have with him. She's Katie Wu. You can find her work over at The Athletic. We chat with her each and every Monday here on BK and Ferrario. We always appreciate her giving us some of her time. You can follow her on Twitter at Katie J. Wu. Katie, appreciate the time as always. Enjoy the game tonight. you got some good ones to start out the season. Toronto, Atlanta, Milwaukee, not so bad. Uh, enjoy the game between Jake Woodford and Charlie Morton. We'll talk with you again next week. You got it, guys. Thanks so much.